the Lord is giving you this land as an inheritance and taking possession of it. Well, whose land was it before? This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This is a special episode for Thanksgiving Day and the last episode for Year C. Here to discuss the text is Joel Baden, professor of Hebrew Bible and director of the Center for Continuing Education, and Tisa Wenger, associate professor of American Religious History. This was the pair we had for our very first episode, and then by total coincidence, we scheduled them for this episode too, so that appropriately wraps up our first year. They're discussing Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 11, which is appointed for Thanksgiving Day in year C. Here's the text. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 11. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first fruit of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by opposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place, and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God, and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house." Deuteronomy 26 opens with a command for the Israelites to bring gifts of their first fruits when they enter the land and to sort of recite a summary of what's often described as sort of God's salvific acts as they present this this offering to their, their local priest. Tisa, when we were looking at this, I think that we were struck by not the content of the sort of uh, of the statement that the Israelites are supposed to make this famous when my you know my father was a wandering Aramean but rather the the way that it's framed at both the beginning and the end particularly the beginning which starts when you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess and you possess it and settle in it which sort of presents it as if it's just an open land for you to come walk right into yes that's right and f- 
coming to it as I do from as a historian of American religion and also someone who works in indigenous studies. I see this, the Lord is giving you this land as an inheritance and taking possession of it. Well, whose land was it before? There were people there before, and this passage and others like it was in fact used by Puritans coming to America as justification for taking this land. They put themselves in the place of the Israelites. Right. So we know, according to the Bible's own story, that the land they're coming to is full of people. Is full of people. Absolutely full of people who have been living there for basically forever. Yes. Uh, and in come the Israelites with their claim to the land. And of course, what the Bible is saying is God has given this to you and in effect, by necessity, taken it from the, the local inhabitants. That's uh, right. And so when any group of people since then have claimed the mantle of being the chosen people, mm-hmm. as the Puritans who I referenced earlier also did, they can use that as justification for violence against the people that are already there. It's interesting. So often in so many scenarios, people put themselves obviously into biblical stories. Yeah. And the Exodus story, you know, more than any other, I would think, except for maybe David and David and Goliath. But when we put ourselves into the Exodus story as Israel being redeemed and saved and brought out of Egypt, very rarely is do we continue in the story Think about, well, what happens when Israel actually comes into the the land that they were promised? They sort of become the oppressive force for the, the, the people who had been there before. So there's a question of where we, where we put ourselves in the story and where we cut the story off as we're telling it. Yeah, absolutely. And few people want to put themselves into the story as the Canaanites. But there are pe- there are people who who do right the Native American community, in at least some readers, some some scholars there have have brought this up and said, you know, th- this Exodus story as it keeps going is really not so good. Yeah, uh, for us. Well, and they've put themselves into the story as the Canaanites only because, in fact, they were placed in that role mm-hmm. by the arriving settlers, Puritans, and others, right, uh, who put themselves in the role of the Egypt- of the Israelites, right. So it's interesting, This what reads like a very celebratory text uh, can, in fact, come out, depending on your perspective, uh, you know, is something that could, could be, is an, it can be an, an oppressive text. Right. And, of course, the as we read through this text, the Israelites are saying the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer. So they were the oppressed. Mm-hmm. And so it's a story that's usually read and is, you know, a story of of salvation, God's, God saving us, God taking us out of this uh, situation of oppression and putting us in a land flowing with milk and honey. But you're absolutely right. It all depends on where you start the story and from whose perspective you're reading it. And there's something so particular also about the fact that they're supposed to bring first fruits of the land. Yes, like the first fruits once they've arrived. Yes. Right? As if the land hadn't been producing for the people who were there before. Yeah. Right. Um, and most texts have multiple erasures. So we're just identifying one erasure here. Oh, absolutely. And on the other side of it, actually, isn't an erasure, but an sort of unexpected maybe inclusion, which is that at the end of the text, it says, Right. Once you have sort of said the thing and brought your fruits, then you, together with the Levites, that is the, the local priests, and the aliens or strangers who reside among you shall celebrate 
with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. So right there, the notion that the stranger is going to celebrate with you, and what they're celebrating is the bounty that the Lord has given you and your house, you know, we can cert- we can certainly start by sort of saying who are the, the strangers in this scenario. There are lots of possibilities of sort of general people groups and individuals who fit that kind of description in the Bible. But often, especially in the history that will follow the book of Deuteronomy and in Joshua and even more so in Judges, strangers are often remnants of the exactly that Canaanite population that was supposed to be wiped away. So the indigenous people, in fact, are marked as strangers. Right. They might there might be included in that category of strangers people who were not the, the original Canaanites. Right, absolutely. But but the original Canaanites are, are probably in there also. But I think that what struck us most strongly when we were reading this passage was the question of what does it mean to say that the stranger who resides among you shall celebrate? Not can, not is allowed to, but will, right? This is one of the few times that the the stranger is forced to participate. Right. There's a real ambivalence there because on the one hand, it seems to be a kind of inclusion of the stranger and the stranger is invited in to celebrate with. It's very nice, right? Um, it's, it's, got a, it's got a Thanksgiving kind of feel to it, right? Um, we're <laughs> celebrating with our native friends. Right. And, of course, when you put it that way, we have to think about the historical erasures of the, of the traditional Thanksgiving narrative. Of course. Which makes it appear as if the native people, the Wampanoag in the, ca- the case of the, the, the traditional Thanksgiving story, were just happy to receive these new white settlers when, in fact, we know the history was much more fraught and complicated mm-hmm. and violent than and, that. And, and here, too. And I mean, here, too. here too, we're going to have what we know is going to be in, intense violence, at least even according to the biblical narrative. And then, you know, we're going to all sit down and celebrate with the, the first, you know, fruits of our harvest of our harvest, right? Israel's harvest. Mm-hmm. So, right. So there is there is this a notion of, right, isn't this so nice? You know, the positive spin. Uh, we're being welcoming. We're being inclusive. Uh, right? Everybody's part of the same, right? We're including them in our story, right? We're, we're bringing right. everybody together. But, but yet, <laughs> the, 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 the strangers who include the Canaanites are being forced to celebrate on the Israelites' terms. Mm-hmm. And they're being forced to celebrate the narrative of the Israelites, which in fact erases their original presence on the land. Right. So is there a sense then that what's happening is is, is sort of a forced assimilation, which I think is, is true generally of the stranger, right? They're welcome, but there's a few things that we really want them to be doing in order to, to fit in. It's got a little post-colonial mimicry to it, yeah. right? That we're sort of, that we're enforcing our own practices and our own story, Right. Where where is the the Canaanite story here? Right. But it's one thing to force assimilation on immigrants, which we can of course problematize as such, but it's another level of erasure to force assimilation on the original in- indigenous population of the land as if they as if they were strangers, right? As yeah. if they were the immigrants and the new arrivals. Yeah. As if the land had been empty. Right. So, the, I mean, in both, the, again, both the beginning and the end here, there's a say, sort of a conceptual evacuation of the original inhabitants of Canaan. There is the 
triumphant, salvific entry of Israel into the land. And in the text, right, it's all about celebrating, rejoicing, rejoicing before the Lord. But I think that what we're what we're focusing on here is what that means in terms of what's being taken away and who's being not just marginalized, but actually removed from the story altogether. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Professors Baden and Wenger, for officially closing out our first year of chapter, verse, and season. For more Bible study resources, check out galebiblestudy.org. Videos, study guides, discussion questions, it's all free. That's yalebiblestudy.org. And follow us on Twitter, at Bible Yale. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, and I'm your host and executive producer, Helena Martin. Mixing on today's episode and our theme music are by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back on Monday for a new year of conversations from chapter, verse, and season. Verse.